The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good types. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, this is the Homans Chronicles, and I'm super excited, Sarah. <laughs> oh, I am, I am very excited as well. But I wouldn't call myself super Sarah excited. Yeah, but <laughs> um, I went back into the archives of our guests today so that I could have a little bit of background information. But I didn't go like too far, so it's not like I overdid it on the homework, and there's not going to be any surprises. <laughs> You know, like I like when there's surprises. So yeah, absolutely. Um, Sarah, you can obviously take the lead on this conversation since you're super Sarah excited. Super Sarah um, excited. <laughs> <laughs> I also have a few questions as well as right. somebody who's not fangirling as much. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna try to squeeze it all in today because um there's a lot of ground to cover, to be honest, and yes. I I don't want to hold off on the introduction any further. So we're welcoming inmate turned social media creator turned advocate Marcy Marie. Welcome! Oh yeah, Hi. I'm so excited. <laughs> the clap I'm noises so in the be here. Hey y'all, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> we're really excited. I'm really excited to have you. Nicole is mildly excited. <laughs> right, but you're so excited. Is much kind of like, yeah. <laughs> Your excitement is enough for us all. I feel like it could carry it. <laughs> Good power of small country. You're not wrong. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, also, so. Sarah will occasionally send me uh, reels of people that she thinks are good for the show. And a lot of times I reach out and they don't respond. So uh, the fact that she sent me a guest suggestion and you're actually here also is very gratifying, I'm sure. Very validated. <laughs> I feel very validated currently. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right. So um, I'm not going to delay this any further. Marcy, could you give our listeners a quick, like, you know, elevator pitch of what happened to you? Well, <laughs> me. How did you I start? Myself. <laughs> I How did you myself. So like, okay, you before you went to prison, you had well, like a normal life, casual I did. I was married. I had three middle school children. I had two babies at home. Um, I was working for a company and they were doing a little bit of shenagling with their finances and they had me helping with that. They were like making their books look different than they act actually were. And they're cooking that, the books. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what um, and some moment of complete idiocracy on my behalf, I looked at that and thought, hmm, I, I could do something here. Uh, and I, I did, and I did, <laughs> <laughs> and I did for several years, uh, and it caught up That's to a, me. The other reason I love you so much is just like your pure honesty and transparency. You're like, I fucked up. I fucked up real bad. Royally. And that's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Royally. And I, it's like, you could either, th these decisions, people make poor decisions all the time. I'm, I'm not certainly not the first person, but it's at some point you have to decide, am I going to just live in the 
drenches of this horrible decision or am I just going to move on and right what can I do what can I do you know right so you started as a normal work would you work full-time I did work full-time and I had, a great, I had a great job my my little <laughs> ones could go to work with me um you know other than that one thing I I felt like <laughs> a pretty good life and I don't even you know there was a time there was a time I was sitting in county jail and there are girls in there that they had stolen like food from Walmart and or you know just real things either they had some form of addiction that their craving got a hold of them or they legitimately had hungry children at home. And this is the reality of our society of so many people are without. And I remember thinking you to myself, telling myself in my mind, you have got to be the most selfish person on the planet. These, there are people in here who had nothing and I, I didn't need that money. I didn't need that money. I bought, I blew it. You know, my kids, I blew it on things that I felt like my kids needed the no, they needed me. They needed Aww. me. Yeah. It's, it's just, um, I don't have a good excuse. There's no, Oh, I was addicted to this and it made me, or it was nothing. The money became an addiction, but it was just a bad. I mean, that's, that is an actual addiction. So, you know, you're allowed. Well, absolutely. Yeah. It, it became an addiction for sure. For sure. I bet it did. Transactions for sure. It did. So okay, well, it's you, probably very thrilling to be like, <laughs> I'm still getting away with this. It sounds Absolutely. like you were doing it for a long time. And so at some point you probably were like, I'm just out here, you know, not going to get caught. But then every time you hit the enter button, you're like, Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So did you, so you were working one day and did they come to your office and get you or did they come to your home? Like how did, Actually, when was that moment where you were like, I'm so in trouble because of what I was, because of the way I was committing my crime, I had to constantly move funds and there was a big ice storm. Uh, I could not get, I, I, we, I lived out in the sticks. I did not have like good. We, I still had dial up at that time. It was some years ago. <laughs> 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 it was some years ago okay you're good we're close to, we're closer to we're closer to 40 than 30 you're fine right. <laughs> okay okay were so, you in texas at the time though i was in texas because okay. yeah. an ice storm in texas will cancel everything Sarah yeah. and i live in yeah. detroit and an ice storm means that you still get your ass to work on time you just oh, put both I, your hands on the yeah. steering wheel no, is all the entire no state shuts down the the schools yeah. were shut down <laughs> the entire state was shut down i i was like my husband at the time, bless his heart, he's the kind of the guy that won't open a Coke up at Walmart before he pays for it. And uh, <laughs> so he, he had no clue. He, he would not have been on board with, with what I was doing whatsoever. And so here I am like this ice storm. And I'm like, I, I just, I want to, can I put some chains on my tire and like creep into town? And, and he's like, you're out of your mind. You're not going to work. And I said, well, there's some things I really need to do. Um, <laughs> and I, I just, there was not, there was nothing. I often think what that conversation might have looked like if I had told him, I, I mean, I'm glad I didn't because I would have never wanted to be in a situation legally where mm -hmm. he had to make that call. But um, yeah. good for you, though. 
I mean, you kept it together. <laughs> well, <laughs> for the most part. No, I have some damage control. I wasn't keeping it together. <laughs> we want to talk about the middle of my incarceration. That's a whole nother story. Oh, I we'll sure get did. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. You, so, you had to actually be at the office to do a transaction. And then the fact that that didn't happen is what set off alarm bells. Is that basically I had to be online. And so I knew if I had gone into town, I could have gotten internet connection. That's basically, I lived far enough out of town with the ice storm or there was no, I couldn't get online. Mm, And so that's, I had to be online. And so was that the day you realized like I could be in trouble? Well, that night I pretty much, um, I pretty much knew. And of course it was a Friday, uh, things like that always happen on a Friday. Right. So, um, by Friday afternoon, I thought this is probably something's probably happening. I felt it. Um, that evening I got a phone call from my boss and it was casual. And he's like, Hey, we're having a big meeting on Monday. The big bosses are flying in. And I thought that's it. You're a liar from the bank right and I just I just said okay I'll see you then and um I went in Monday just pretty much knowing uh I actually expected the police to be waiting for me that's kind of what I thought but uh I went into work and it was my big boss it wasn't a a meeting it was just my big boss sitting in my office and um he had some papers in his hand from the bank and he asked me what was going on. And at that point, what could I tell him? You know, he had it right in front of him. And so that's exactly what it was. And within moments, the detectives walked in. Um, so they asked me, they didn't arrest me, but they asked me to talk to them. I'll say this. I don't talk to the police without an attorney. And, uh, you know, and I made that big mistake. It, it just felt like such a relief. Honestly, I had been you can imagine how many people in my life I had to lie to, to cover up the, I was going to ask, in. like, did your husband not realize that you were like, I just, there's so many it, things that go along yeah, with extra money. Yeah. It was lie after lie, which is really the taxing what started. Right. Absolutely. You can, you cannot be emotionally close to anyone when there's that many lies between you. And it wasn't just him. It was my parents, my children that were old enough to know what was going on. My grandparents, my brother, it was everybody. I was lying, telling them I got a big promotion. I got bonuses. Um, we would take a vacation and I would say my bosses, my, my bosses, this is our office suite. Like that, that works paying for this and, um, on and on. And it just, it goes on, on and on and on. They were never ending. So when it was time for it to be over, it just was me, it's just verbal diarrhea and anybody who listened. <laughs> absolutely just telling it all and and I'm so sorry <laughs> right scared for what was going to happen scared for what was going to happen and guilt and shame but also relief huge relief when that happened yeah. so uh I, I yeah I do wish that I had had my attorney present not because I would have been found not guilty I was never it never even occurred to me to even act like I, I was not guilty. Um, but I just think I could have gotten a better deal. I ended up getting sentenced to 20 years. I was going to say, so let's talk about the sentencing and the court and all that stuff. So how long did it take for them to go from formally arresting you and convicting you to putting you in jail? 
Absolutely. Well, they actually, from the conversation that day with the detectives, um, they walked, one of the detectives walked out to talk to the DA and came back with an arrest warrant. So I, I got arrested that day. Um, I asked to call my husband because I needed to arrange care for my daughters. And um, he, he, <laughs> when I called him, the detective was happy to let me call. I'm sure that he thought that he had something to do with it. So, um, but when I called, my husband at the time said, did you have a traffic ticket you forgot to tell me about? That's the only thing. And I said, no, it's bad. It's really bad. And he said, well, what happened? Oh my God. He's so innocent. Yeah. He, he Poor really thing. didn't have a clue. It was, and once it was all said, once it was all out, um, he, it's like lights started going off and he said, well, this just explains a lot about what's been happening the last couple of years between with our marriage and with just him. Oh, so it was years. Yes. It was about three and a half years. Okay. So you had some time. Yes. Wow. That's why I was saying like, there is that point where she was like, I'm really not going to get caught. Like I'm (laughs) doing this, but there's still the rush of every time she hit that enter button or whatever it was to make the transition go through that she was like getting a little adrenaline, like. Absolutely. And making a withdrawal, there's something to withdrawing $4,000 just to, I mean, it's, it's something that's, it is a, it's a feeling. (laughs) Yeah. A feeling to say the least. It definitely causes emotions. Yeah, absolutely. So for sure. Especially when it's not your own money. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's, there was kind of a loss of respect for my employers when, when all of it came about with them having me help with their, their thing and book cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, we don't need to get into the semantics of them not taking responsibility or accountability, but did they get in trouble too? They didn't get in trouble. No. And, <laughs> well, small town, this is small town, Texas. This is I get uh, it, but damn. Uh, yeah, no. And there's, I'm not even sure what the legality is as far as them goes, but it was definitely immoral what they were doing. Um, so that's incredible that they could get away with something that they started you doing basically. Sure. I mean, it was like, they were like, it's like they gave you, that was a gateway drug for you to kind of just, you know, get into this whole situation. They were like, let's just show you the way, but to go ahead and bang yourself with this rope, it's totally fine. (laughs) Yeah. There was a whole thing. (laughs) There's a whole thing to that. Yeah, for sure. So then mention really quickly though, that like you have kids in your background. Uh, First of all, you have five children. I did the math. Remarkable. Insane. Um, but there is also a kid walking around and that you're talking to while you're talking to us. And so it's, it's also remarkable that everything's so open now, right? Yeah, like that's great. You can't, you can't reverse back into any secrets at all. Probably at this point, you're just like, everybody's got to know everything. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's really better for them to hear it from me. And then I don't want them to be you know, you see, you see my middle school daughters, that's who, who yeah. you kind of see wandering around. And I had to pass one of them a note to let the dog in actually. I was going to say, hi, puppy. At the back door. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I didn't want them to get older 
and it come out or them they're old enough to understand the consequences of your actions and you know it, I think it's okay and I, I rather them hear it from me I rather them yeah. hear it anything so, they want to know about any of that I rather them hear it from me then right or then have it be family hearsay or like you know you you be a TLC special later on down the line right. or yeah, they Google right. something or like, yeah, yeah. it's much right. better to hear it directly from you. It feels like a lesson in unconditional love as well. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it too. Because just because you made a mistake, they're not going to love their mom anymore. I mean, right. you didn't yeah. do anything to physically harm them. Obviously there's probably some trauma that they have to deal with, with the fact that their mom was gone but <laughs> right but yeah, yeah but um but it also teaches them like what what it really means to love somebody uh, all the time you know but also but also looking at the fact that like you're obviously white your whiteness doesn't exclude you from being in trouble and you know not having to face the consequences of your actions and like you're just as like anybody else doesn't matter where you come from, what walk of life, how you grew up, you mess up, you will get in trouble. <laughs> yes, very, and that's very much, that's very much. I came from a very um, middle school, uh, or excuse me, middle class family. And I say it all the time, I was not the average person in prison. And it's something our society needs to look at as a whole. That's one of mm-hmm. the, I got into advocacy because um, this, this is privilege. And even though, you know, I'm, I'm not a cis white man, but I am a white <laughs> female who came from a middle-class family and there is privilege that comes with that. And um, definitely there's so much that needs to change in our prisons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, now, well, now we watch so much true crime. We know that we are supposed to have a lawyer before you admit to anything <laughs> yeah. or talk to the police or whatever, you know? I mean, this was like you said a long time ago, so it's not as prevalent probably as it is now for people who consume true crime documentaries podcasts etc that you know basically don't say anything but a lot of people don't have the resources to get an attorney so they're stuck in prison for really small you know nominal things that yeah that it's just the way that the the system works and how it doles out punishments is mind-blowing to me yeah it's because there's inconsistent no yes yeah, there's no sense there's, there's no, no found there's like there's no like foundation there's no bare minimum there's no base to go off of it's all just wonky all the time so okay you get in trouble you get put in jail you call your husband and he's like girl what the hell yeah and then you get then you go to court <laughs> Yeah, accelerating this because I want to hear about your jail time. Yeah, it was eight eight months I was in county jail before finally resolving at twenty years. My first offer was forty years. I oh actually, my god! Yeah, my my paid attorney actually came out with a paper for me to sign saying I agreed to forty. Years. Yeah, I no fell out. Um, so it was negotiating back and forth. I had to go to court about nine times to get it down to twenty. They weren't going any lower. Uh, I can't believe that you would somebody who would get 40 years in jail for money stuff when there's people who rape murder and kill they get out for less than 10 in less than 10 years absolutely every single child crime that I was locked up with person that had committed a child crime got had less time than me every single that's infuriating isn't it yes it's gotta be just 
so infuriating. <laughs> Sorry, y'all, this once dog's going crazy. No, you're <laughs> fine. Don't worry about it. So once you get through all of the various court dates, uh, negotiations. Eight months attorney, of negotiations. Blah, 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 like, you accept your 20 years. Right. But you, I'm assuming you, you didn't serve all 20 years. No, I actually, um, in Texas, the way their parole system works, since mine was a nonviolent crime, I was eligible for parole at 28 months. Um, okay. And so in my mind, that's when I was coming home. My lawyer said, as long as you do what you're supposed to in there, you're, you'll make parole. But that's actually not the case. Turns out he really doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, <laughs> that's scary. I thought I'd be home actually before um, my daughters went to kindergarten. I thought I would be home before my oldest son graduated high school. And that's kind of how I wrapped my mind around 20 years. Um, and so I'm, I go to prison and... They tell me, take these classes, do everything, don't get in trouble. And so there was me for, for the, my first part of my incarceration, not getting in trouble, going to college. I took a vocational class. Um, I took lots of correspondence classes. Every religious course that they offered, and in Texas, that's all they offer in prison is religious <laughs> courses. Um, and I, I took them all because you get a certificate, <laughs> and I wanted that parole to see that certificate. Uh, and then parole comes around, and they tell me no. And, really? And they tell me the reason is for significant monetary loss, which I can't change the amount of money. That will never change. So, but isn't it costing us more money to keep you incarcerated than not? Oh, absolutely. Like, why wouldn't they want to put you back into the system to put that money back into the, the system? Like, it's counterintuitive. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and that's just how, that's how parole went till I was, till about my fourth time. And then I just, I lost my shit in there. I lost it in there. What uh, happened? Walk us I through just, it. Well, my... After my the fourth time they told me no, within months. Well, wait, hold on one second. Time mm -hmm. Sure. Fourth time. How many years? Yeah. So like, what does that equate to? Like, how long were you in uh, jail for? Six then? years. I think it's six years because six I saw years? parole and then you get the eight months count. So yeah, I think it was about my sixth year. So you see parole and then they give you a set off, which is either one year, two year, three year or five year. And they, they just kept telling me one year. So I would think, okay, I can do one more year. <laughs> year would come around. I would have lost my shit long before the six year mark. Oh, yeah. In my head, I was thinking I was going to be home for graduation and kindergarten. And then yeah. those times passed. I would have lost my shit way sooner than six yeah, years. She's, I'm like, she's really even keel for all of this. It's bizarre. <laughs> so on the fourth one, you decided I've had enough. Yeah. yeah it was just months after my fourth one. My, I, I had probably the closest, I mean, I, I don't know what the medical terminology I would, I would say a mental health breakdown. I you just say it. Yeah. Um, Definitely suicidal attempts, suicidal thoughts. Um, I remember thinking at that time that if I had died instead of coming to prison, my kids would, their dad would have probably married someone by now. They would probably have a mom. Oh, they would, wow. You know, in my mind, oh, yeah. it, it was better off. It was just a very dark time. I started making very destructive decisions in there. I fought a lot. 
I, I, I didn't even know I could fight. I didn't know. I was going to say, were you a very violent individual prior to like, it seems like the system turned you into a, an angry human. Absolutely. Absolutely not. I had never fought. It turns out I know how to fight. That's I just was talking (laughs) with my daughters. We were, they were talking about fights in middle school and I was like, man, they're fighting in middle school. And, and, uh, one of them said, well, I would probably get beat up. I said, well, that's what I thought too. But it's funny when someone attacks you, you know, you kind of know, and it just turns out maybe, maybe I'm a natural. I don't know, but it turns out I fight. Uh, what was the fighting about? Were they picking fights with you because you were more white collar crime or was it actually over stuff like commissary and things? It was like the first fight I ever got into in prison was over a seat in the day room in front of the TV. Mm. Um, I just, I felt like in, in prison, it's, there's a whole different set of rules, right? So there's violence is socially acceptable. And in, in certain situations, not only is it acceptable, it's the expected response. So if someone blatantly disrespects you, which this is sounds so ridiculous out here, it would not be this way, but someone approached me, told me they were in, I was in their seat. And instead of saying, Hey, I've been sitting there. They said, you know, however they said it, what the hell you're in my seat. You don't see my, you know, and I felt like they disrespected me and the correct response to that was violence. So, so that did was you that- just haul off in soccer? No, it was everything strategic. You, you fight in the cut there there's cameras. And so you there, you go to the cut, which is like the area off camera. And that's where you would fight. You would have someone watch for the officers um, and that's, that's how that would work. Yeah. So is it kind of like, uh, I don't mean to make fun of it, but like, you know, in the wild west when it's like, I'll do you hear at noon shoot off type thing. And then you guys yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually it really is. You can say like after lights out, I'll meet you in the shower area. That's exactly right. Oh my yeah. goodness. And you're not uh, much of a swearer. I can tell you like, you don't cuss so often. So was it different, different for you to like communicate with them inside? Cause were you using cuss language in there? I got fun of a lot for my vocabulary. Um, and I also definitely, as time went on, my prison slang definitely increased. Like my, <laughs> I, I started speaking a lot more prison slang, but even then, even at the end, towards the end of my time in there, I would say some things and they would be like, that doesn't even sound right coming out of you, you know? <laughs> so I did get made, I did, I did get made fun of for my vocabulary, but my, my mother and my grandmother are like editors. <laughs> like they just would edit my vocabulary from a very young age and, um, and anything written on paper. So then you go to prison and you're writing prison notes and you're using, you're using slang and you're writing as small as you can because it's illegal to pass notes and uh, just everything just kind of, I I used to think I'm losing brain cells every day in here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't like, I can see where it's more like you have your animalistic instincts and your intellect kind of has to suffer a little bit because you have to be more of like a physical animalistic type person to protect yourself and your things you're surviving at that point. right it's survival is what it absolutely is. absolutely okay. that's one of the things when those those prison conditions the way that they are you are in survival mode so it's hard to come out of that and think of ways okay how can I improve myself how can I 
you know, I remember during the best times in prison, I would be thinking, okay, how am I going to make this situation? How am I going to present myself when I get out of here and turn this situation into something positive? But when you're in pure survival mode, which when your mental health is not okay, when the conditions are worse in there, like summers in Texas prisons, then there's no room for those kind of thoughts. It's just purely, like you said, purely you're, you're in pure survival mode. Yeah. Did you have a nickname? I did not. It didn't give you a nickname? Marcy. Yeah, I did not. And most people have nicknames. Most people. I was going to say, don't you usually get a nickname once upon a time? Like I was, I don't even think anything like, I was just trying to think if anything, if it, I don't even remember one circumstance where somebody called me a nickname and it stuck for even a short time. I was just always Marcy. I love that for you though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're literally true to your core and your name is still Marcy. Yeah. How much um, time did you end up serving in total? A little a over. A I made parole right before my 10 year mark. And, but my parole included a six month in prison program and then a halfway house. So by the time I pulled chain to the program, it was just right before 11, 11 years. So I'm sorry. They couldn't have started you on that program prior to I'm, like, and the, the, the program was a drug treatment program. And oh, I, that's helpful yeah, for you. I, I got you. The counselor did the assessment and she looked at me. She's like, why did they send you here? I said, well, that's a wonderful question. So <laughs> I don't my, know. Are you going to pass me? <laughs> right, right. My girlfriend who literally has all drug charges, her, we saw parole at the same time and she got an FI1, which means she got to go home with no program. It was so insane. It's just, did they swap you guys on accident? It's the that money makes no it sense. says that they need to fill. It's, it's honestly for they want to have that program so they can get funding they need to fill so many beds they don't they don't spend it's a whole all about lot of money. money right absolutely oh yeah it's all about getting budget i know so you were you at your four fourth parole hearing hearing your six year mark it's when you became a bad bitch and you decided to take no shit from anybody anymore pretty Give much us some of your favorite stories oh, God. what are your highlights um <clears throat> It's a very wide <laughs> question. I know it's a wide like net. That, that is a, it's wide a wide net. net. I, sometimes so people I will, have them at the top of our head. So. Well, I would like to, I guess, say that the reason Sarah was fangirling is because your social media content, a lot of times, is not necessarily about the serious stuff that we're talking about right now. Right. It's more lighthearted and showing like how you make dice, how you make mascara. Basically, like how do you get through your day to day? Yeah. And, um, not prison make hacks. jail. Yeah. Not make jail jail all the time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> How do you still be a girl in jail? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's start. Yeah. Let's start with that. Like, how do you maintain you-ness when you're in a place that doesn't allow you to have the things that make you what you feel like you are makeup, blonde hair, right. jewelry. Well, you dye your hair with Efferdent so you can have blonde hair still. <laughs> and, I didn't. And so I saw that video and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I had blonde so, hair the whole time. <laughs> because, so because of Efferdent, AKA denture cleaning, denture cleaners, right? Right. Yep. That right. you use that to dye your hair. Sure. 
sure. Um, and they actually, in Texas prisons, they sell makeup on commissary. It's just, you have to do some tuning to it to make it, you know, that um, it's it's not very high quality. It's the so dollar store makeup. For sure. <laughs> for oh, okay. sure. Yeah. So I learned a lot of hacks, just how to keep that on, like uh, just a thin coat of Vaseline under your eyeshadow will keep it on all day. Just little, little hacks like that baby power powder over the eyeliner because the eyeliner we'll was just, all over the place. Anyway, it would be going down your face. Um, one thing women do in prison, um, y'all, because in Texas prisons, it's all white and any, any prison, they're wearing all the same thing They're They can't really alter their clothes in an obvious way. Women do alter their clothes, but you can't do it too obviously, or you'll get in trouble. Um, but they wear kind of loud colored makeup. So their eyeshadow would be, it, it would, it, it's like drag show vibes. You would get that kind of, um, but, but we were doing it because it was one way we could be, show our individuality or yeah. have a difference, you know, so it would You're be using like, lipstick for lipstick, blush, and eyeshadow. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Or taking glitter and covering your entire eyelid. Like, like maybe you would on a, I don't know, like at Halloween. the Oscars or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You would wear that in <laughs> well, <real life>. 13. <laughs> right. But, but in there we're like, Oh, that looks so pretty. And it felt pretty too. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Was it weird? Like, did you have a hard time accessing your femininity while you were in there? Or did it like being around those women kind of help you feel more feminine, even though you're in a very sterile masculine place? It, it was hard to, you don't, there's something about being looked at as a woman, um, I don't know how, how do I word this? You're, you're not looked at like a person in right. there. Um, the officers don't give you that idea that they see you as a person. They, the clothes are obviously meant to hide you as a person. Um, you're not called by your name at all. So, so just, just finding yourself as a human was hard enough. So yeah. then digging into that femininity um, and that desire just to feel wanted as a woman, uh, that, that was hard. That, there's a definite loss there. Yeah. So then when you were in there with all the ladies, did you find a friend? Like, did you have so, a bestie at one point or two? I, I do. I have, I have probably, um, depending on the area or the time because lots of women came and left while I was there but I probably have I would say five people that I've got very very close to and two of them are still incarcerated and I still communicate with them um and they have a little more time to do still but absolutely I had a play mom in yeah. there and she's home and she's doing well um we kind of adopt little play families I have a play nephew and he's in Austin and I get to see him often. Um, so that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. You definitely build, you know, I think men go to prison and they're, 
they build affiliations with gangs and women <laughs> go to prison. And, and it's that same concept, that same human, human need Unity. to feel right. Um, yeah. But what we do is we form these little play families or um, groups like that. So that's wonderful though. I'm glad that you guys still well, have that support system. Absolutely. I don't wanna, like, yeah. I don't want to like ruin this tender moment, okay. but I have a question about that. So hit me with it. Um, based on my very brief understanding of televised versions of jail and what happens, it seems as though there's a lot of like sexual activities. Happening. Orange is the new black. Is that what you're doing? Well, and it's not just that one, but <laughs> there's, but there's others. Wentworth is off the chain with that. I love that. Wentworth. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite I, shows on the planet. Oh. I binge watched it twice when I came home. It was ridiculous. Good. I was like, this is pathetic. I'm home from prison, binge watch <laughs> a prison show. Well, um, were you like offended by their, the like luxuries that they had? <laughs> both. And, yes. and when I read that book and she was in the feds. So the book, the book was pretty accurate. That was literally yeah. her voice saying, this is me. But I remember thinking this lady is complaining about so many things that we don't have. Like, no, like I remember her, there was a point in the book where she's like a manicure set on commissary. I was like, manicure set? What? We, we, we're, we're like biting our fingernails off because <laughs> we don't have any access. I mean, it's just, yeah. So um, no, they definitely, both of those prisons. And of course, Wentworth is Australia and their prison system's just much better, period. Um, than us so anyway uh yeah no as far as sexuality or sexual well I guess by, prison, where my question was going is so yeah you create these little families but then there's also like a bunch of sex and other stuff going on so how do you navigate or how do you determine like okay this person belongs in this category <laughs> and this person belongs in this category I mean I guess it's similar to what you do when you're out living in the real world but it just seems like it would be so much more pressure to to associate with certain people in a certain way and I definitely see where you're going um there is a lot there are a lot of relationships in prison so I'll, I'll start I'll start by saying most prison ro ro relationships that are romantic are not sexual um. a lot of women relationships in prison this is my girlfriend this is my prison wife even um they have never had sex with the women woman they probably never will but they have deeply deeply connected with this person and that's their partner in there um and there it's for them Look to get me, diminishing it to just sex no that's okay <laughs> it's just it's just what so that takes some of that pressure off right because okay once you take that part out, everything else is kind of just your bestie, but, but it's a, just a step above a bestie. Like it's yeah, just it's like sisters. It, yeah. Yeah. Just a step above. And in prison, pe people even will say, this is my girlfriend. Um, who are you with? Oh, that's, that's Diana's girl or whoever, you know, but, um, but really it's not quite like that. Uh, and then the relationships that are um, to do, it, it's, it would be the same out here. You're yeah. It, th that wasn't ever an issue. Like, Oh, is that going to be my play brother or my girlfriend? That was, that's never <laughs> like, <laughs> come up. you're either attracted to someone or you're not. Right. And when you're not, that's, it doesn't even ever cross your mind to be anything else, but 
So well, that's cool. I'm glad it wasn't awkward like that on top of everything else you had to deal with. Right. <laughs> Learning how to date in prison. It's not a thing. Well, we don't have to and worry all about that, it. You know, all of that's against the rules. It's, it's against right. the rule to be gay in prison oh, yeah. for sure. Of course uh, it is. So all of that is like, that's one thing the shows just don't portray. They make it very obvious. And then it's not. I mean, the officers definitely know they're not idiots, but any of that, you, for me to even touch someone's shoulder, that's a disciplinary case. You wouldn't do that. And for these girls on these shows to be sitting on each other's beds and the law come by and, and all of that, that's not happening. <laughs> it ain't real. Uh, yeah. I that's Hollywood magic. One of my best friends was going home and I had to, I, I wanted to hug her so bad, you know, but and I was just hoping, I hope we have a good law in the morning. I hope there's a decent officer because some officers, you could say, my friend's going home and I want to give her a hug, you know, and they would be like, go hug her. But some of them, it right. just wasn't happening. So, yeah. Did you get to hug her? I did. Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. That's awesome. She's doing so good too. She went home like in 2012 and she's still clean and, um, that was, you know, she was an addict and what led her, led to her incarceration. I just love those little success, success stories like that. So she's absolutely, doing, yeah, that's awesome. And it's probably helpful to have a support function outside of jail prison sure. to help remind you of like how far you've come absolutely. and all that fun stuff. That was one thing about coming home to social media. You know, when I got locked up, Facebook um, has barely started. That was going to be one of my questions. Like the digital oh, era yeah. happened while you were in jail. Yeah. Yeah. Because y'all, when I got arrested, I had a MySpace account. Remember oh, MySpace? shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I come home and I'm actually, I'm in the halfway house with an illegal cell phone, y'all. We're oh, not, of course. To, but I'm, so I'm looking at Facebook and I'm like, wow, okay. I'm seeing everybody. But when I saw the community of people that I had been in prison with that were like just seeing them at home sitting with their kid or with their husband or at work or and that's you don't see a lot of um people that have been to prison take a lot of the pictures of themselves at work because we're just so freaking proud and we're in a warehouse with the vest on like safety goggles it's it's no glamorous like we're not you know but we're like look at that work vibes (laughs) i'm not in prison right i love it i'm getting paid i'm getting paid for this like i'm being productive member of society again absolutely i got a job and here i am yeah hashtag blessed Yes. <laughs> Hashtag free world. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we could go for hours, but it is unfortunately time for those Atta girls, I think. <laughs> yeah, I can go first. So an Atta girl is um, something that you are proud of or something good that's happened to you. Just like a quick little positive nugget. Um, since Sarah and I do this, every week we try to come up with something new you can marcy you can use something from whenever you want to from you know um being released from prison it's fine <laughs> about not yeah about <laughs> surviving i'll put it that way <laughs> um and my had a girl is that in my bedroom i had like old carpet in there from the previous owner who also had dogs. And then I recently, um, had to say goodbye to my dog. But as soon as I was like 
seeing how this trend was going and knew that it was going to be about her time. One of the things that was making it less sad for me was it envisioning what my room would look like after making the changes. So like I ripped up the carpet over the weekend (laughs) and it it was like cathartic though, because it kind of smelled like dog. Oh yeah. And so now that the carpet's out of there, it just, it feels like very fresh and new. And it's, it's a little bit of a helping for me to like move on, but also it was a workout and my hamstrings are very sore. (laughs) (laughs) Add a girl home improvements. (laughs) So mine is also on the home improvement side. Kind of, um, we need new windows. We just moved into a new house. And that's one of the things we noticed. It's going to be like a big purchase for the home. And so um, we were able to get all the plastic windows plasticed up to save ourselves a little bit of cash, you know, for this coming winter months when we actually have ice storms <laughs> and have to still do stuff in them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> going to work and whatnot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Putting the plastic on the windows is not a fun job. It sucks. No. It's and worse. it's definitely a two person job, which is crazy. You think you yeah. can do it on your own, but no, that plastic not sticks exactly. to itself. <laughs> no you cannot that's not possible should say it right the on the box wrap. do not attempt alone it's ridiculous miss <laughs> mercy what do you have for us I, I was just trying to think you know obviously like getting out of my funk while I was in prison so that I could stop getting in trouble because and get home right yeah there you go um, and then just on a very much lighter note we went roller skating today and I didn't fall down. Oh, there it is. So. <laughs> day. No, you were sore as hell tomorrow though. I'll tell you what. what say? Yeah, for sure. You're going to sure. join the sore hamstring club over here. <laughs> yeah. for sure. I'm stretch, already feeling it. Stretch tonight before you go to bed. It'll be fine. <laughs> right. Right. <sighs> you want to know one more thing though, before we kind of end this conversation here is that how like so you found out that you were going to get to go home and then how does that work like I've always wondered logistically how like you walk out how is there somebody there for you at that time like do you get to call someone and say I'm getting out at 11 so yeah basically basically that's what they tell you the day that you're going to get out and so you know that exact day for about 10 days prior And that gives you the opportunity to write someone or call someone if you have phone privileges. Um, And so, yeah, that's how that, that's how that worked. I had to go to a halfway house though. I was going to say, you didn't get picked up though. You had to get shipped out to a different place. Was it close to where you lived or was it kind of? No, it's four hours away. They do. Yeah. They don't put, they don't put you in an area where you're going to be living. So you go and you have to get a job and just for a few weeks it's so silly but I mean um, it would would make sense if you were like a drug problem yeah that would make sense to relocate you you don't want to be in that environment but you didn't probably need that (laughs) yeah (laughs) no I needed to be close but um yeah so the day so so for me it was a little different they knew exactly what time to be there um and they picked me up that morning it was my parents my brother and my two youngest daughters I was gonna ask like who came to get you yeah. Yeah. They came and it was, uh, that morning I was like the, the windows in where the parking lot is 
was on the other side of the hallway from my room and we're not allowed to go in each other's room. So I kept telling the girls like, do y'all see my dad's truck? Do you see my dad's Aww. truck? And, um, they weren't seeing it. And I was on the phone with my mom and she's like, we're here in the parking lot. I think you're in the wrong spot. You don't know where you're at. You know? And she's like, Marcy, we're, we're here. We're, we'll see you. But um, it was pretty amazing to walk out. There was like 11 of us leaving that morning. Um, so it was kind of crazy. Everybody's families. It was like, that typical movie scene times 11. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty awesome. That's awesome. I'm really happy that you survived and you know, you came out with your humor intact. That's Thank you. huge. Thank you, Sarah. I, I want to Sarah, Nicole and Nicole. I, I want to make sure you guys know about um, my show coming up with Rosie O'Donnell. Do you know about nope. this? let's okay. talk about it how can people find you okay. I know they want to um, they're going to be curious about all the hacks that we were talking about yeah, I'm like definitely. what are the fun things that you've got going on <laughs> definitely you can see me on um TikTok's probably my biggest platform I also have a YouTube channel Instagram um and it's Marcy Marie 114 um just google me up and you're going to see me making a prison pizza or something <laughs> right, right. Um, and then also just um, look, because we're writing a show, Rosie O'Donnell's going to be acting in it. And um, it's about my my life after. Prison. Well, congratulations. So, That's remarkable. I had no idea. Yeah. Thank yeah. For thanks for fitting us in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. I sure appreciate it. Y'all are awesome. So are you. Oh, like, again, thanks. you're just as iconic as I envisioned you to be. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Silly no, Sarah. No. <laughs> Super excited, Sarah. Yeah. Right. Right. That is very exciting, though, that you get to turn this, I'll say, negative-ish experience into a positive-ish one. I mean, I don't want to say, like, black and white that that's what it is, but um, if you have the ability to either educate or advocate through the, another medium, then that's amazing. Which is high volume views and then Absolutely. people that can make changes. That's wonderful. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear about it, see about it, watch it, see what kind of changes you bring. Wonderful. It's be wonderful. Thanks. thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. On um, social media, YouTube, etc. at Marcy Marie 114, right? Yes, ma'am. They can find us on Instagram at homance underscore chronicles. Um, if you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can email us at homancepodcast at gmail.com. And then we do have a closed group um, on Facebook called the Homance Chronicles, a judgment-free zone where we share extra naughty bits. So thank you again so much. This was such a fun conversation. Homance. Yeah. Out.